You're listening to the A.G. Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Leo Miller. Amen. We are looking this morning at the book of Jude. How many of you have read the book of Jude? Or maybe some of you have not even heard of the book of Jude. It's right there at the very back of the New Testament before you get to the book of Revelation. I'm going to do a little bit of a series on that. It's only, it's not very large at all, but we're going to call this series, I'm starting it today, called The Times, The Times, because it's talking about the times in which Jude was living, and we're going to talk about how it's relevant to the times in which we are living, how that those things uh, shift over to where we're at and what we're doing. We'll start out this morning in verses 1 and 2 in the book of Jude. You got that? Verses 1 and 2. This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. These are the first two verses here. This is written to the Christian people and churches, no particular, just one. It was passed around to many of the churches back then. It was written 60 years after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus had already physically been off the earth for 60 years. Jude is a part of the first century church, and he is writing a letter to them, visiting them, admonishing them, to follow the Lord and to live for God. This is one of the shortest Bible books in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament. There's only 25 verses in the whole book in one chapter uh, there. Jude introduces himself, interestingly enough, in two different ways. He says, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ, and I'm the brother of James. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. How many of you often go around introducing yourself to somebody new? Hello, I'm the slave of Jesus Christ and the son of Matt. Or the daughter, you don't have any sons, the daughter of Matt. <laughs> you know, that's a kind of an unusual way of introducing oneself. But in the letter, he does that. He says, as I write to you, I'm writing to you. I am Jude. I am a slave of Jesus Christ. And I am also the brother of of James. Now James, who was James? James was a very influential person in the first century church. He was an important person. He actually pastored in the church of Jerusalem. He was, he was very well known and that is why Jude mentions James. He leverages himself. You may not know me, but I'm friends with James. Anybody ever done that before? You name drop? Any name droppers out there? You name drop somebody that's more important than you are to get the attention of others, do you not? Um, you don't say, hey, I'm, I know Pastor Leo. No, you don't know. So you go big. I know somebody more important than that. Well, that's what Jude is doing. He's, he's dropping James in there, so they might have a more of a tendency to listen to him. Uh, James was also, and this is part of the deal, James was also the half-brother of Jesus Christ. You get that? How can he be a half-brother? Well, they had the same mama, but they didn't have the same papa. Jesus was divine, amen, conceived of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit. 
And James, Joseph was James' father. God was Jesus' father. And so he says, hey, this is me, Jude. I'm writing to you. I'm a slave of Jesus, and I'm the brother of James. And James was the half-brother of Jesus. So this would also make Jude the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Y'all follow me? Got a family thing going on here. You got two disciples, two, two followers of Christ that were actually the half-brothers. They were raised in the same family as Jesus Christ. But you have a family here, and, and Jude is a part of that. He is a half-brother of Jesus. Can you imagine being raised in the same house, the same family that Jesus Christ is raised in? I don't know how you would imagine that, but you can kind of try to follow along with it for a minute. You know, you've you got Mary and you've got Joseph as your mom and dad. And you've got Jesus as one of your brothers. You've got Jude and James and some others there. You think maybe James and Jude sometimes looked at Mary and Joseph and accused them of playing favorites with Jesus? He's your favorite. You always let him have his way. I mean, we have nine kids. We've heard some of that through the years. And there are some favorites. Are there not? They're all our favorites. But now, they, they accuse David of being the favorite. He's not here right now. He had to take off somewhere. But can you imagine them wagging their finger or whatever, stomping away, Jude saying, oh, you always side with Jesus. He's your favorite. I mean, this is the family dynamics. All families have the dynamics of some kind or another there. And uh, it didn't help matters that Jesus was actually perfect. You think he's perfect, don't you? Well, well uh, they may look at Jesus and say, you think you're perfect, aren't you? Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine being a part of a family like that where you actually have someone that is? Well, Jesus was perfect. Here comes Jude and James saying, you always uh, side with him. And what would Mary's response be, maybe, when they're accusing her? Maybe it would be something like this, and probably some of you have heard this in your own family sometimes. Well, it wouldn't hurt if you were a little more like your brother anyway. <laughs> you think he's perfect. Well, it wouldn't hurt if you were a little more like Jesus. It wouldn't hurt any of us if we were a little more like Jesus. And so this is probably some of the conversation. I mean, it wasn't like... They didn't talk. They were a family like you and I are a family. You got James, you got Jude, and you got Jesus, you got Mary, you got Joseph. They're all family dynamics there. And there was probably some of this stuff going on. Uh, it's not written there, but families do that. And so, yeah, it wouldn't hurt you if you were a little bit more like your brother. And what do you imagine the conversations around the dinner table might be like? Do any of you all still eat at dinner tables? Some of you do? Hey, that's a big deal. I encourage you to do that. That's a big deal to Miller family. We do a lot of that. But they could be sitting around the table there, and maybe Jude would look up and say, Hey, Jesus, uh, what's that deal you done with the wine yesterday at the wedding? You know, how'd you make that happen anyway? And then James may pitch in and say something like, Yeah, uh, by the way, Jesus, the word on the street is you think you're God. <laughs> So these are all the things that might happen in the family that uh, Jude was raised in. But Jude, knowing all this and being a part of all this, Jude introduces himself as a slave of Jesus Christ. 
a slave of his half-brother and the brother of James. It's an interesting way to do it. It's also interesting that James and Jude, neither one of them were believers or followers of Jesus Christ. They were not disciples of Jesus Christ until after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They did not become followers and disciples until after Jesus had died. Wouldn't it be kind of hard and unnatural to, to call your sibling, I'm your slave? Now, how many of you are siblings and you felt like slave before? Yeah, some of you may be that point in your life right now. That changes eventually. But this is what happens here, is that neither one of them really, in, their, in, in, in the young adult life there, as Jesus was on the earth, really became followers. In fact, it was just the opposite. James and Jude and many parts of his families kind of ridiculed Jesus for the mission and the things that he was doing. You see this in John chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It says, after this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters, and Jesus' brothers, his brothers, Jude, James, said to him, leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. Probably a little sarcasm. They weren't followers of Jesus. Where your followers can go see your miracles, Jesus, why don't you leave here and go there, little brother, or whatever they called him. That's kind of the sarcasm there. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. So early on, James and Jude were not followers of Christ. And now Jude is writing these things. It's worth noting that, that both of them later certainly did become followers of Christ. Uh, Jude does not introduce himself here, it's an interesting point, as the brother but a slave of Jesus. If you were really trying to gain leverage with something, you think you would introduce yourself, hey, I am the brother, half-brother of Jesus Christ. I've got something to say, listen up. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't leverage that relationship with Jesus in that way. He says, I am a slave to Jesus and a brother to James. There's a little bit of a thing that bothers me, and I'm just going to get off track for a moment. I've, no, I've never done that in 31 years here. But as a businessman as well, it's always disturbing to me. And if you do it, I'm sorry. It just disturbs me a little bit that people lead with their faith, meaning I'm a Christian roofer. I'm a Christian AC. It's like using your faith, I don't know, as leverage or whatever. I like my work to announce my faith, not my faith to announce my work. I don't like having to use Jesus to get a job. I like my job saying, I know Jesus by the way that I work. And James is kind of doing that, and Jude is kind of doing that here. He's, he's refusing to say, to announce and to use Jesus in a way. He says, I'm a slave of Jesus. I'm a brother of James. Now, Jude did not use Jesus in, in that way. He, he chose to use him in a different way. Now, he revealed, this really reveals the humility and the obedience that Jude had toward Jesus Christ, even though he was physically his half-brother. 
So there's a spirit there and there's an attitude that as Christians we would be well to adapt in our own life toward Jesus Christ. We live in a culture that, that maybe has made Jesus a little bit uh, more friendly in a sense. Uh, you hear people say, well, he's my brother. I'm the brother of Jesus Christ and, and, and he's my friend. And all those are some truths in that. But, but Jude put the emphasis on that Jesus is my master. He's my master. And I am submissive. I am humbled by that. He has the right spirit and the right attitude. He says he is a slave. The imagery of a slavery in their culture was very real. When you hear the word slave for us, it's not something that's a part of our culture, thank the Lord. But for them, it was a very real deal when you begin to mention that. It meant that Christ was, was master. And not just in word, but in deed. It meant that Jesus was his master. Master as in really a master. That he was the one that ruled my life. He's the one that I am subject to. And so when he says he's my, I'm his slave, he meant that I have a master as a slave. And that master is Jesus Christ. Jude is really celebrating the fact that he is a slave of Jesus Christ. That's really what he is celebrating. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And what a way of, of introducing yourself to people. Now, American church culture and the modern world celebrate Christ as Savior more than Master. You think about that for a moment. In our culture, in our church, and that, not that that's wrong. We should celebrate that he's Savior. Amen. But we do not give enough emphasis to the master part or the lordship part of Jesus Christ in our culture. In fact, far too, there's far too little preaching on that part of our relationship with the Lord. And so in our culture, it's the emphasis is on the savior part, not the master part. And we don't need to just have one or the other. It needs to be both. But there needs to be emphasis also on the fact that he's master. It should be celebrated that he's our savior. He certainly saved me. Amen. And he's still saving me. And, and that is a good thing. But we are saved in that way then to become the Lord's servants also. And so we should also not neglect the fact that we are to be servants. We are to be masters of the Lord. And that is the emphasis as we introduce this book of Jude, what Jude is putting on there. I'm a, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I've not just been saved by Jesus Christ, but I am a slave of Jesus Christ. And he's saying this to us and wanting us to get this point. Jude views himself as a slave or a servant of Jesus Christ. That is his view. That is his imagery. When he says, talk and describes his relationship his, his experience, he says, I am that man's slave. I am Jesus' slave. So what we might ask ourselves today is how do we think of ourselves? How do we view ourselves as a Christian? How would we view ourselves? I think the most common view we have of ourselves as Christians is saved. Wouldn't you agree with that in our culture? That's the kind of, well, Christians are saved. I'm saved. I'm, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm saying that should not be the only thing. 
That is the thing where most of the emphasis is being, I'm saved, you're not, you need Jesus. And that is true. If you're saved and they're not, they need Jesus. But the emphasis does not just need to be there. That is good, but it should not stop just with that emphasis. And that is the point we make this morning in introducing this, is that the Lord, we're called here to be servants. As Christians, we should manifest the same kind of humility and servanthood toward Jesus as Jude does. You and I should. Most people, and, and, and consequently, a lot of it is that way because of the way the gospel is presented. We're not called to repent of sins, to turn to the Lord, to follow the Lord. We're not called to, to be like the Lord or to serve the Lord. We are called these days in most sermons just to be saved. Just to be saved. How many of you want to be saved? Raise your hand. It's kind of, yes, I see those hands. But I was just kind of, that's how our sermons end, you know. You want to let Jesus in. Well, well, back then, how many of you want to die? Give your life to Jesus. Give everything you have to Jesus. Jesus always required everything from everybody. He wanted you to love him most, give him everything, fully surrender everything. He who won't lose his life. He's going he's gonna to lose it in the end if he won't surrender it now. Jesus called us to full surrender. Much of our preaching does not call us to that point. Much of our preaching in modern culture just calls us to a willingness not to go to hell and a, and a willingness to go to heaven. And then it stops right there. But the emphasis in Scripture is in the slavery part as well. The servanthood of following and serving and being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that is the emphasis here that we're starting with as we look at the book of Jude. That's what he's saying. That's what Jude is saying. Uh, And as a Christian, we need to possess that same kind of humility. We're also called to be servants. I don't look at Jude... uh, when I look at Jude, I wonder, you know, he says he's a servant, a slave of Jesus Christ. You think that, that, that Jude, the disciples, were, were, were maybe distributing these uh, gifting tests to find out where they wanted to serve? <laughs> That's what we do. Anybody ever taken a gifting test? Come on, I ain't going to beat up on you too much. I've taken them. They have these little things. You can answer all these questions, and it tell you, tells you what spiritual gifts you have and what motivational gifts you have. I've, I've taken them, and I quit taking them because they told me I had no mercy. Can you believe that? I scored zero on mercy. And I would try to trick the test. I'm going to take that test again, no matter what I did. No mercy. So we're called here to be servants and slaves of Jesus Christ. So I doubt if these brothers got together and took before they decided to serve. I mean, we have things here you can sign up, join the team, serve, do this, do that, one thing or another. We even give you a choice if you want to serve in children's ministry, the youth ministry, and event ministry, or this ministry. Wait a minute, i got to take a test and see where I belong. You belong just willing to do whatever needs to be done. Servants do what need to be done. That's what servants do. They do what their master wants them to do. Not what they like doing. You don't even have to like it. That's liberating. Open your heart up, just receive that. You don't even have to like it. 
You just got to be willing to serve. You don't have to like cleaning commodes. You don't have to like greeting people. You don't have to like sweeping. You don't have to like whatever it is. You just have to be willing. That's what servants do. And so Jude says, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And so many times, if we were going to introduce ourselves, we might say, hey, I'm a saved one and a churchgoer. And a sometimes churchgoer. How would we view ourselves, introduce ourselves? What words do we use to put ourselves in this place if we were Jude? But slaves are servants. And servants do what need to be done. And so it's a challenge to us is to take on the same attitude that Jude had this morning. That I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm willing to serve the Lord. In whatever capacity I can serve. And in closing it up, the servant of Christ, number one, seeks to go the way of Christ. He's not doing his own thing. He's seeking to go the way of Christ. He's a follower of Christ. He's going that direction. He's not following, following culture, popular opinions, and all these other things and voices. He's following the ways of Christ. He desires to reflect and conform to the moral likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, we will never be divine, but we are new creatures. And it should be our desire to be like Jesus, morally, and our attitudes, and our dispositions. The Lord wants to change us from the inside out. Maybe I was one way, but now I'm this way. I'm a new person. I'm a new creature. And so a real servant desires to conform to the moral likeness of Christ. Doesn't make excuses for the, why they are the way they are, but looks for a way, an ability through Christ to be different in the chains. The servant seeks to exalt Christ and make him known. Wherever he is, that's his mission, to make Christ known, to make him more famous than he already is. That's what the servant of Jesus Christ does. The servant of Christ becomes the center. Christ becomes the center of all their existence. That's what happens when we're a real slave to Jesus Christ. He becomes our center, our main focus. Everything is filtered through Jesus, my faith. Everything I do is filtered through what Jesus has said. He is the center. He is the hub of my life. Everything else springs out from that. And that is the attitude you get from Jude here when he introduces himself. I'm Jude. I'm the slave of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. And wouldn't it be nice and wouldn't it, wouldn't it be the right thing for us to be able to say, I am whoever you are. I'm Leo, a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Jude verses one and two. Letters from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ, a brother of James. I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. How many of you would agree with that? May the Lord give Pastor Leo more and more mercy. It's up there. 
Peace and love. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org.